you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hands Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. The Flames need NFL news and here's their chance. It's ATL around the league. Light of flame, boys. Pigskin's hot tonight. Burn, baby, burn. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a founding member of the ATL Debate Club. That's what you just heard, our original intro music. Mark Sessler. What's up, boys? Got to tell you, I mean, that was what, about Boy. 2012? Yeah, we were trying to figure this out before the show. Um, if anyone is familiar with the origin story of this podcast, it started as the ATL Debate Club. And I think it was around the late summer, early fall of 2012, which is uh, a long time ago. Now. Well, I mean, it took me at this point nearly half a decade to erase the memory of the worst nickname I've <laughs> ever been given in my life by Dave Damashek, Mr. Fancy Pants, based solely on my Twitter handle having NFL tagged onto it. And it's now back in the uh, the bloodstream of <laughs> listeners. That's terrible. Well, uh, that was a bit of a reach there by Damashek, who, of course, was on our Tuesday show, if you haven't checked that out, uh, Sheck and I uh, did a show on Tuesday together. But, yeah, Sheck gave Mark the nickname Mr. Fancy Pants because he had a uh, his Twitter handle had an NFL at the end of it, and that was deemed to be a little bit. Well, as I've explained multiple times, there was another, at the time, Mark Sessler on Twitter. Right. And, by the way, that you know Colleen Wolf has NFL at the end of her uh, handle as well, and so. people call her Mrs. Fancy Pants. So that makes well, sense. I haven't heard that, but uh, yeah. and I was I was called Hanzus, which stuck <laughs> to the point where people still call me that at NFL Media to this day, unaware that Check uh, was intentionally mispronouncing it for Hollywood reasons. So some type of show business thing yeah. is how he explained it. Anyway, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by no one, beholden to no one. Uh, play by our own rules, Mark. Uh, the group gets back together on Monday. In fact, on Saturday is the annual Wesselmania uh, off-season spectacular um, at Chris Wessling's uh, seaside abode that you and I will, will both be at, and uh, Greg as well. Well, hopefully Wes will be there as well. Get us all back together, and then come Monday, the show returns, and that's when we really start to – uh, gear up for the um, training camp and the beginning of another season together. Yeah, I mean, we're hearing whispers. You know, Greg is a great dad, number one, and he... By the so way, is he in Japan? Do I sound far away? No, is oh. Greg in Japan? Oh, is Greg in Japan? No idea. No, I think he's he's doing somewhat of a staycation uh. with the family. But, a fa you know, he has, has almost religiously always uh, brought his young daughter to WrestleMania and I've you know there are whispers at this time he will be child free which will really allow Greg to behave the way he did 
back in his youth when he was a real a troublemaker, according to sources. Yeah, we might see him have two drinks. Well, and it's no yeah, place wild. for children, let's be honest. From what the last few WrestleMania slash, you know, Wes events, it's not a place to bring a toddler. Well, here's the thing, like, and I, I was talking to someone downstairs about this. Um, you know, I'm a, a married father of one with another on the way. You have two kids, you're married. Um, most people in our, our social circle have that type of those commitments and, you know, getting away on a Saturday either is not happening or involves bringing your child or showing up later or showing up earlier. It's just it's a bit of a, a dance to to make things happen on the weekends. Uh, but since Wes is a beautiful has, dance. Yes, a beautiful dance. Since Wes has, has walked down a different path in life where he remains unattached, um, his parties uh, uh, imbue that type of life perspective. So when you go over there, <laughs> you, you, you really can't bring your kid. I've tried bringing Jack before. Um, Greg try, has tried bringing uh, his daughter before. But you got to really kind of give in to the beast and really take in all that is that West vibe. When you go there, uh, check all your responsibilities at the door. Yeah, it's a way too of an unfiltered look at life for a child uh, to take in. Uh, you need to be an adult and a hardened, cynical adult. <laughs> uh, today's show, fun show, fun show, pre-show grade. God, it's so good to be back with Mark. Just the two of us. Haven't seen Mark in a while. Um, so that adds into the grade. Also, just kind of in general, it's fun being here. I love doing the show. And I look at the at the rundown. I think it's going to be a lot of interesting stuff that the the fans are going to love. B minus. <laughs> Okay, so zero faith in the uh, duo getting back together after uh, four-plus years. Yeah. Uh, today's show, we're going to talk about um, what's going on in the news, including the latest from Tom Brady and Deflategate. Too too bad about that. We will, uh, again, open up the mailbag because this is a special show, a very special edition of the Around the NFL podcast with uh, just um, Hans Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants. So we'll uh, hit the mailbag with specific questions toward uh, the two of us. Uh, we're going to get our old friend back on the phone, our New Jersey correspondent, Connor Orr, who has not been on the show since his controversial uh, week sitting in the studio where he made a lot of fans and, let's face it, made a lot of en enemies as well. That's broadcast. Uh, but, just you know, Connor is such a bright mind uh, that we have a new segment. That's the thing about Connor. There's no shortage of different segments. There's, or are you kidding me? Orrible movies. And um, premiering today is a segment we call Conspiracy Theories. How do you like that? I love it. I mean, he's got a last name that probably fits into 40% of English words in general. <laughs> so you're able to go in multiple directions with, with Connor Orr in the segments. Yeah. Uh, uh, but before we do any of that, let's hit the news. And to do that, we say hi uh, to the man behind the glass, um, one of the best hitters on the Shield softball team, uh, got on base five times again last week. Uh, just a tremendous, a tremendous work. I'm going to move him down to the heart of the lineup um, this week because uh, I want him to knock in some runners because he's hitting the ball so well. He is the Irishman. What's up, buddy? If uh, people want to, and thank you for that. That was very uh, a great intro. If yeah, people want to listen to your and Mark's first debate club, it is included in the Greatest Hits Volume 1. Uh, yes, that's very true, which uh, came out last week. So go check that out if you want to hear uh, two awkward, nervous whites. <laughs> that's putting it nicely. Um, uh, yes, so let's do some news, buddy. Best friends. Yep. <laughs> That's funny that the I pick up the chisels because I, uh, my brother and I, uh, when we got together last week over in Jersey, one of the late night viewings was Step Brothers, uh, which holds up remarkably well. What a funny movie! Have you seen that? Have have not. You have not seen Step Brothers. No, is it? I'll make that it next is a on my funny list. movie, right, Irish? Oh, I mean, we should watch that at WrestleMania this week. It's that great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, let's do some news, and we'll start with, yes, a trip uh, to the throne of Sleaze. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, terrible. 
Tom Brady, his chances of overturning his four-game suspension continue to diminish. The U.S. Second Circuit Court of Appeals denied a petition by Brady and the NFL's player, NFL Players Association on Wednesday to rehear his suspension case. Meeting the Patriots QB has only one more option to uh, knock down this punishment, and that would be taking this thing all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And wouldn't that be only fitting, Mark, that it ended up in the Supreme Court, something as silly as this and, quite frankly, American? I mean, they don't have time for this garbage, do they? I don't know. I don't really know. It's a good question. How busy is the Supreme Court? Because you would think they have a ton of things to do to uphold the nation and all, but perhaps they mostly sit around and – uh, something comes every few months or so. I don't know. I'm well, you don't. Yeah, in. you don't hear. They're not. They don't sound like day-to-day workhorses. It's like they'll handle kind of a high-profile. This could get them back in the news. I mean, I think most people today, you know, could you name could you name three people on the Sup- Supreme Court, Dan? I'm not going to actually ask you to do that. You can just say yes or no. Yes, I can actually. Well, so could I. We're knowledgeable, obviously. Uh, don't ask me Maybe to do two. that. You know, they're not on our radar. I'll throw out one, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, yeah. She's and there's been a lot of pop about this, a lot of heat, uh, because she publicly ripped Donald Trump, um, the GOP nominee for president, uh, who, as we know, is tight or at least friendly with Tom Brady. So that obviously wouldn't work in old Tommy Boy's favor. Um, I don't know if it actually gets there. Uh, Brady has 90 days to file an appeal with the Supreme Court. I imagine he will if you've taken it to the five-yard line. You might as well take this madness into the end zone and do everything you can. Uh, But it's looking more and more likely that this is it, and um, he will miss the first four games of the 2016 season, uh, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be the Patriots' starter. And, Mark, we saw something in the news from Marcel Darius, who is actually upset that Brady's not involved. Says he is. Says he is. You know, if they're going to play the Patriots and if they want to – uh, get any credit for beating them. It doesn't happen if you're Rex Ryan with the one time that Brady's not on the field. I mean, I get where he's coming from. I don't know. You know, if you look at their schedule, they open up at the Cardinals in Arizona. That is rough, and that's on prime time. But then they're home three straight weeks against the Dolphins, Texans, and Bills. It's a manageable – if you're going to have to stick what is essentially a rookie quarterback or in terms of his experience, Garoppolo, like this is not the worst situation. Calais Campbell, a defensive tackle with the Arizona Cardinals and a standout on All or Nothing, uh, which, by the way, we'll get to next week when the team is back together, talk about uh, the eight episodes and kind of put a bow on uh, one of the great um, NFL films features of uh, really in their history, I think. That's how good it was. But uh, Calais Campbell said he'll be, quote, licking his chops um, playing against Jimmy Garoppolo, but we don't know anything about Jimmy G. So it'll be that will, you know, is uh, it is a bummer that Tom Brady's not going to be on the field because things are more fun when the Patriots are at peak villain capacity. But at least we get to see what uh, Garoppolo can do. Yeah, because at this point, I you know, it's feel it feels weird because this should have been last season. It's happening now. We released all these tape studies on Jimmy G last summer, and they all were, they died a quick death as soon as the Brady thing turned around. But isn't Calais Campbell being the honest one here? He basically said, yes. you know, as veterans, we like to welcome an inexperienced quarterback anytime we can. I, I don't care what the Bills say. You want to take these guys down, and they're going to be th- – th- that game is still interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, going to be a fascinating matchup. I love um, – moving on. I love real rivalries. And you know what's a real rivalry in the NFL right now? It's in the AFC North. Sorry, Mark, it has nothing to do with the Browns. They'll get back to rival status eventually. Not when they play Tom Brady in week five, but yes. Yeah, they gotta beat them they gotta kinda beat their own demons before having a real rival again. But a real rivalry going on right now is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those teams hate each other. And, hate each other. And things got even uh, more heated after what happened in January's playoffs. Uh, during an event in London to promote the NFL's international series this season, Bengals defensive tackle Domata Peco. Is that how you pronounce it? Pico? Dead on. Do you know? I think you've done a great job. Domata Peco was asked to complete the sentence. The Pittsburgh, and it's probably from a, a British reporter, so I will speak British here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are, and then Pico replied, or Peco, pieces of bleep while making the beeping sound used to cover expletives. So he actually did say bleep, which That's what is I love kind of interesting. This. I kind of like that. That's a different way to do it. 
Uh, and then he was asked to kind of, you know, elaborate. Oh, we hate them. For us, each time we play the Steelers, the whole city is like, quote, beat these fools. And whenever we beat them, it is a big party in Cincinnati. It is a big rivalry for us. That's going to be a fun. Uh, it's going to be very fun to watch those two teams because I think even with some of the losses for um, both sides, I think these teams are very evenly matched, and it will be those will be the two teams fighting for that division, in my opinion. Yeah, and if you and if this time, you know, the wild card game, which I randomly wound up watching about three or four weeks ago, it Double remains back. one of the most insane football games that we will ever watch. And, and I watched it live in a bar with a huge collection of very sad Bengals fans who were. That's a game that included Mike Munchak getting penalized for pulling a player's hair. And that happened early, and you knew right away that things were going to get very bizarre, and it never stopped. It just got increasingly odd as the game went on. Mm. Wesleyan in his write-up called it the game between two bitter AFC North rivals. This game had more plot twists than a 19th century Russian novel. (laughs) That might have been peak uh, West of us, by the way. I don't know. it It almost makes me think that I will pick Cincinnati in any eventual playoff matchup if they get there this year because it doesn't get any more bungles than what happened in January. And for Wes and West of us, that's the highest point of that celebration uh, of the Cincinnati going out in the first round every year. I think they will get over the hump, and they needed to hit rock bottom. That was rock bottom. I, don't, I still have not gotten behind the story of why Chris Wessling, who every year takes that game off to get – I would say wildly sauced was actually the one person in the office covering the game while I was out watching it. That was a scheduling uh, gaffe. That's by the boss. Well, that won't happen under David Ely, our new. Uh, he's he's my boss now, Dan. So we he's done we an need excellent. To talk about that. Real. He's done an excellent job. I'm gonna just throw that out there. He's been on the show and he's been rightly promoted. Is he actually your boss? Well, David that's Ely? that is the case. The luckless in love uh, desk editor, David David Ely. Yeah, but he's uh, he's he's come in. He's set a set a tone right out of the right out of the gate, and you can you can you can say that you're proud to have him as a boss. That's something to unpack as well when uh, Greg and yes, we Wes need Greg are back, including do we even call Greg the boss anymore? Just, There's too much going a lot on. To talk I mean, about, lots know. unpack. Uh, moving on, uh, this oh, one of my favorite stancers, Jim Reineking. Uh, Rhino wrote a post about it. No player selected in the 2016 NFL supplemental draft. Wow, as expected, it was not something people were looking to have happen. Uh, this is the third time in the past four years that no player was selected in the supplemental draft. Mark, I'll throw it to you now to explain with detail why. Uh, the supplemental draft doesn't have a plethora of NFL players being selected. There were six eligible players this time. Said that. Uh, and sorry, so I've given you no information out of the gate. But Ian Rappaport, media insider for NFL Media, said that at one point, one of these six uh, guys, was it Jalen Overstreet? We don't know. Was it T. Shepard? Was it Rashawn Simonize? Simonese, you tell me the name. Cam Walton, Razan Howard, or Eddie D'Antonio. Who knows which one, but one of them held a workout and not a single scout Oof. showed up to it. So it was a precursor to the absolute lack of interest. You know, this is just done through email. So they get some lackey or someone in each front office just to say, yeah, we'll pass this round, this round. And it was over in 15 minutes, 32 teams executing you know, multiple rounds of a, of a supplemental draft, which is a barn burner of an event. It fell a little short this time. I would, um, I would give it time. It's just an email event now, but I have a feeling NFL will find a way to blow that out into a primetime event within the next five years. They should mark take, my words. Yeah, they should take one or two marquee players in May yeah. when they're about to be drafted, and they get lotteried into the supplemental, and go. it creates total chaos. There you go. Ratings. Put Rich Eisen in the hosting chair, and away we go. Uh, bad news for the Cleveland Browns, Mark, and uh, other news. Uh, Browns defensive end Desmond Bryant sustained a torn pectoral muscle Tuesday. Uh, has to have surgery to repair the t- uh, had surgery to repair the tear. The team announced on Wednesday he is not likely to return this season. So the entire 2016 season wiped out. He hurt himself lifting weights in the gym. Uh, this was a player, Mark, that had started all 41 games he's appeared in over the past three seasons, led the team with six sacks last season. You know, uh, we talk about God hates Cleveland, the Cavs won. Uh, but this is, again, the, the last thing the Browns need. I, I don't think 
this guy is the difference between turning around uh, the organization, but you don't want him disappearing, right? It's not a position where they have a lot of known quantities behind them. There's just it, it, it's it's one of the youngest rosters in the league. Uh, they're looking for a guy named Xavier Cooper, second-year guy to step up. But it's it's I don't think Desmond Bryant was the Jenga pieces Damashek would say of of this team. He was. An, a very high-paid veteran who probably he's on the roster for one more year at $7 million. Don't know if he'll ever play another snap for the Browns. He's yeah. a release candidate. It makes you think, it makes you wonder if you're trying to, if you're a Browns fan, trying to be optimistic as you look forward and not that you're happy that this guy got hurt, but the old Bill Parcellsism that the those these type of veterans that aren't true impact guys but are nice little players, on certain teams they could be viewed as, quote, progress stoppers. Get in the young guys. Let those guys get the snaps. The Browns aren't going to – well, I, I think you're picking them to surprise people, and I, I somewhat jokingly said the same thing. But it's just really hard to imagine them winning many games with this roster, but it doesn't mean it could be a year of prog- – it can't be a year of progress. I think they just have to – you can't be worried about the record if you're a Browns fan. You, you have to look at this as – I couldn't agree more. If there's any veterans in the way that aren't going to be around two or three years from now, Get them out of there and play these young people and see what you have. Yeah. Uh, Mark, does the name Jonathan Williams ring a bell? Well, it's a very common name. It probably rings multiple bells. I feel like I've known seven of these people. All right. Well, this particular Jonathan Williams is a rookie running back for the Buffalo Bills. He was arrested on suspicion of driving while intoxicated in Arkansas uh, early Thursday morning, according to a police report obtained by NFL media. Uh, he was released for jail after posting his bond. He's got a court s- scheduled for Friday. The Bills released a statement that they're uh, looking into it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the reason I bring up young Jonathan Williams, um, uh, who misstepped in his uh, a youthful uh, mistake by young Jonathan Williams that we hope he won't make again, the reason I bring him up is because the last time we spoke with Spice Rack, who, of course, is Chris Wessling's Desert Consigliere, uh, a man who we all like personally. I met him in Vegas, and he showed uh, my friends and I a very good time. But at the same time, uh, you know, kind of hard to get a grip on where he was coming from his last – how would you describe his last um, um, performance on our podcast? Kind of dangerously unhinged. I mean, I think we all got out of the segment mystified, wondering what – was happening to all of us exactly unhinged is the word that really gets associated a lot but anyway uh we the the guts of the conversation with spice we were trying to get him to feed us because he doesn't Anything. know his stuff give us something give us some who are players out of the draft that we want to keep an eye on and we were looking for five maybe three even two all we got out of him was one and uh let's take a quick walk down memory lane of who it was I'd say Jonathan Williams, running back, fifth-round Bills. Mm, wow, all right. Oh, crowded house in Buffalo. That's interesting. I I mean, I guess at this point. Just a cursed uh, appearance, let's face it. You don't really want to be a, you know, a college-to-pro player getting mentioned by Spice Rack because last year it was you know multiple gushing reports over Melvin Gordon who, you know, and, and whatever way you look at it, c- couldn't have been more disappointing as a rookie. Yeah. And now, and now this. Should we have Spice Rack back on the show? Well, I, I'm, I'm open to anything because there's a lot of time to fill, um, and he could he could do that. But I, you know, like I said, his last appearance had me concerned on multiple levels. I'm not alone. Unhinged. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, what else do we want to talk about? Um, oh, with. Um, with Damashek, we spoke about he's working on his Spotify playlist that has not um, seen the light of day yet. He's been working on it for months and months and months. And um, I, I told him, and he disagreed, but that's let's be honest. The reason he started on this is because he caught wind and heard buzz about my deep 90s alternative Spotify playlist. And that made me, oh, let me check in. It's a living document my Spotify playlist of the deep 90s alternative hits. And I wanted to, I looked down and I said, oh, this you know, I need some more women, uh, more female artists on this list. And, you know, we love women on the Around the NFL podcast. Of course. Uh, so I added three new songs uh, that, that I thought, let's take a, another walk down memory lane to the 90s, um, Ladies with Guitars. 
Let's uh, listen to him. Let's, uh, here's the first one, Irish. Remember this one? Oh, yeah. Can you name the artist? The Breeders. Very good. How about the song? I want to do something. <laughs> I think that's what you want to do. It's a weapon. It was a, it was a cannonball, I believe, is the name. Correct. Yeah. The song was Cannonball. Let's listen to your voice. What a great, it's one of the best beginnings to any song in the 90s. All right, now, let's see. Does Brandon McGinnis know this song? Yes or no? I think he does. All right. Irish, have you ever heard this song before uh, you uploaded it into our system today? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> little, uh, so it stood the test of time for exactly. starters. Exactly. All right, let's listen to the next one. It's a tougher one. Just wait for the chorus. picture in Mark in some youth hostel his whole life ahead of him great vocal melody coming up you ready I think it's before her time, but I want to go Avril Lavigne. <laughs> well before her time. Yeah, no, Avril uh, did not show up for another decade at least. Ever heard of that one, Irish? I actually that. had before. Really? Yes, I actually had. That is Letters to Cleo, Here and Now. Totally. I, I listened to a lot of music from that really? time period. Totally escaped my radar. All right. And uh, one more. Let's listen. Love Women. I love the 90s. There it comes, Johnny. When that chorus hit, I just want the listeners to know that something washed over Mark. Oh, well, I totally know the chorus. I... It, the first part sounded, I thought it was like Jewel in her heroin phase, but it's, it wasn't. What is, who is that? I, that is Veruca Salt. Okay. Seether, do you think Irish knows it? Uh, no. Do you have any older siblings? He could just lie to us, too, but I'm saying no. You know this one? I did not know this one, but I have an older brother and sister. That's huh. what, I mean, my I bet brother, they know it. Yes. Well, I mean, he got me into Sugar Ray, so. <laughs> we got to talk to that brother. Uh, leading his uh, his young uh, brother down a strange road. Anyway, the deep '90s alternative mix. Um, I'll send out a link. Got to get more women involved. That got the ladies involved. It's a really balanced look at not the not the biggest hits of the '90s, but things that were just below the radar. Stuff from Alternative Nation. Kennedy would know all these songs. I know that you used to. There was a period where you would tweet out, you know, your top five, and it was always '90s bands. Uh, Typically. And you, you took a little heat from people here in the office, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. All right, should we get Connor on the phone? I think it's that time. It's been it's been a while. Um, I think it, it's been a well over a month. Well, and I wasn't even here when he was That's here last right. time, so he I haven't spoken to him in ages. He sat in your chair, actually. That doesn't intimidate me. I mean, we're complimentary. I, I I love Connor. Um, what do you think about Tim Tebow speaking at the Republican National Convention? Well, it's not an event that I'm going to spend a lot of time watching one way or it's in another. In Cleveland, what do you think about that? Well, it's Cleveland. Well, I think anywhere it is, it's probably ripe for riots and things being set on fire. So, not what Cleveland needs right now. <laughs> what about this new idea that the Cavs won uh, the NBA Finals in stunning fashion, and now everything Cleveland touches turns to gold? I I do think that sports works that way, and 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 usually when you see one team turn around. Uh, it's not. It, it it happens to other teams in the city. It happens in waves and groupings. So, I am going to try to be optimistic. Do you think Tebow will be our president one day? No. Okay. Uh, do you? Yes, I do. I believe he will be the president in approximately twenty years. We need to do a on NFL.com a 
one of those old he said, he said articles we used to do where we could take counterpoints on this. <laughs> we, we, we might as well go all the way down. I mean, let's just regress completely yeah, backwards. Exactly. All right. Now on the line. Yes, he is our New Jersey uh, correspondent based in a haunted mansion, um, a mansion that now is inhabited by not his living girlfriend, uh, no longer living in sin, his wife. My wife, uh, as he might say. He is Connor Orr. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Um, Mark Sessler with me. Uh, this is your first time on the show since you're, uh, I thought, wildly charismatic, but yes, controversial uh, week sitting in here in <laughs> California. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of time to reflect on it. Uh, I never thought I'd go on, be able to come on again, so this is, uh, this is good. This feels right. Uh, so I was saying uh, when I was talking about your upcoming appearance earlier in the show that one of the great things about Connor Orr is that he's just a master of coming up with new segments. Uh, and I don't know if that's more about the segments that created don't have the legs to last and it's more a scramble job to find a way to get Connor <laughs> possible. On, on our show or if it's just the guy is just – I mean – He's hit this like vein, like the the Beatles in 1966, where there's just so much creative juice coming out of him, he can't even contain it. Um, but our new segment, uh, get ready, ladies and gentlemen, for conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my Sergeant Pepper period, man. This is just, okay. I mean, this is epic, right? This is. This is this is worth it. This is good. Well, I like the sound of that. And, you know, um, do we have any music for this, uh, Irish? I mean, let's get into the spirit. So the reason we're talking about uh, conspiracy theories is because D.B. Cooper, um, who I don't know, Mark, I'm sure you know about D.B. Cooper as a, a historian and a conspiracy theorist yourself. I should know more. Yeah, well, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He is a, uh, a stranger, a man who uh, hijacked a flight in uh, 1971 and jumped out of the building with 200000 in ransom money strapped to his body, vanished over the Pacific Northwest, was never found. No trace of him ever found. No one knows if he died jumping out of the plane. No one knows if he lived a quiet life in the United States. Nobody knows if he headed over the, over the border. Or if he's even still alive. It's one of the great mysteries 45 years later. And today, the FBI announced, that being for our overseas listeners, the Federal Bureau of Investigation announced they are closing the books on this unsolved case. This from special agent in charge Frank Montoya via CNN.com. We have arrived at our conclusion today that it was just time to close the case because there isn't anything new out there. There's a lot that goes into that decision, but really it was just time. And this... Uh, is the basis of our premier conspiracy theory. We throw it to you, Connor. <laughs> I think it's like, uh, I, I think I got really interested in this because I just imagined like after the FBI closed the case, you being the guy that worked on it for 45 years, <laughs> you know, and like you were just like this sprightly young guy, like in the bureau being like, ah, oh, this is, this is how I'm going to make my name. And then like, now you're this decrepit, angry old man, and like you come into work the next day, and it's like, well, it's time to, time to start a new life passion, you know. <laughs> and you know that sticks to you too. Like if uh, if you're the young guy who gets assigned this case, it becomes almost like your Waterloo that you never really can move up in the in in the in, uh, bureau if that's stuck to you. They got you in a back room, hidden away, looking through you know twenty, thirty year old texts. Connor, who? I mean, tell us more though. I mean, I think the best part about D.B. Cooper was, like, he was the ultimate uh, sort of, like, gentlemanly criminal. Like, uh, you know, he, like, slipped the uh, stewardess, like, a 20, and for $2 worth of bourbon that he bought on the airplane, and he told her to keep the change, you know? <laughs> and just, like, some really cool maneuvers, like, just knew everything, said, hey, baby, let's take this plane to Mexico City, and then halfway to Mexico City, they look back and just disappears totally gone like a boss and that that kind of debonair de debonair storyline about him and the narrative is why if you recall mark and connor both fans of the show i believe 
that when there was a lot of speculation about how Mad Men would end, that some people thought, because the timeline did uh, yes. sync up, that uh, Matthew uh, Weiner was going to have Don Draper be revealed to be D.B. Cooper. It wasn't the case, but that tells you a little bit about his suave um, uh, reputation. But I, I have to ask you, uh, Connor, because you did pitch this as a new segment, I would assume that you must have a conspiracy theory to share about D.B. Cooper, or did you just want to shoot the <laughs> about him? I don't know. <laughs> I think that the uh, like the prevailing theory is that it's this guy, uh, Kenneth Christensen, who was like a uh, military paratrooper, uh, but also like did all these like really sweet things, like set his high school record for the mile, was a, uh, like a world-class <laughs> tap dancer, like just an amazing like human being, but also like, you know, it, you can connect the dots in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, to me, D.B. Cooper sounds a lot like NFL media's Charlie Casserly, too. So I wouldn't <laughs> rule that out. Wait, I love this. So you're saying, and again, the timeline does sync up because there's no way to know how old Charlie Casserly is. Um, <laughs> so he could certainly have been that works. of age at that time. Uh, could Charlie Casserly be D.B. Cooper? Is D.B. Cooper Charlie Casserly? Is Charlie Casserly D.B. Cooper? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a pretty mean, good theory. Serious early life in River Edge, New Jersey. Uh, you know, and and really, you know, uh, the the description of his quote twenty three year career with the Washington Redskins is totally vague, and there could be <laughs> such an opportunity for him to make his way out to the Pacific Northwest, jump out of an airplane. And then come back to help revive the Houston Texans. And let me just so. connect. Let me just try to connect the a dot here. I know Washington, uh, the football team is associated with, is actually the District of Columbia, Washington. But the word Washington, he jumped out over the Pacific Northwest, Washington. Oh, a link. Theory. A clear link. I mean, my one, the, you know, I like the theory. It's juicy. It it certainly brings it back home to NFL media, but. How many times have I seen Charlie Castle working the phones at like 5 a.m. in our office, you know, grinding? If you had stolen and gotten away with millions of dollars, are you someone that's still uh, that much of a workhorse? I don't know. He's Well, it was only 200 grand. Well, that's true. That's not that much cash. That might have maybe paid for, you know, a vacation home out in Virginia back then. Maybe it's like 200 grand and he lost. Don't forget, D.B. Cooper lost $5,800 worth of that money. Ouch. Because a kid found it, uh, uh, like, digging in a beach somewhere. There was, like, these vaguely, like, almost completely disintegrated uh, stacks of $20 (laughs) bills matching the serial number. So, you know, maybe this NFL media gig is sort of a ruse to sort of make up a lot of of the cash that he lost in the air. The theory actually is absolutely rock solid, and <laughs> maybe you know the the FBI just doesn't need us to know it. But if they if they caught wind of this, then you don't need to reopen the case. You just feel comfort. No. The case is over. Let them go. Yeah. Statute of limitations and all that. One last connect the dot. Can I get a little music for this? So he jumps out into the sky, into forest land. Perhaps lands in some shrubbery. Probably hurt himself, you would think. Poked a lot of holes in him. Injured him. Maybe that explains why he passed on Reggie Bush. (laughs) In the 2006 NFL draft. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Okay, good. I like good, good, uh, good debut conspiracy theory. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that. This one uh, might last like three episodes, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Least oh time. my god yeah this is uh i'm sorry this is uh just an, just another terrible idea no no it's pretty good it's pretty you guys good solved a massive you know i there's no more curiosity around this mystery before so, <laughs> nice job fellas before uh, before we let you go we did want to touch on a around the nfl uh post that you uh you threw up this week i believe it was uh eight hours ago actually you've been up for a while buddy um, so we're not going to keep you on too much longer. But a feature written by ESPN.com on Kiko Alonso, um, and you really – this one really got you uh, pumped up. Can you tell us a little bit more about this Kiko Alonso feature um, in ESPN? It was, uh, it was written by, I believe, an, an, a writer that lives in Colombia, 
where uh, Kiko Alonso's mother is from, and it's just this epic, like, Gabriel Garcia Marquez-esque prose, like, surrounding this, like, middling NFL linebacker, <laughs> and some of the greatest lines, like, uh, you know, uh, like a storybook hero who returns to the castle to rearm before resuming the battle, Alonzo returned to the land of his ancestors on his mother's side <laughs> to recover and start again. Like, just this, and then you just picture Kiko Alonzo. Like, yeah, it's Kiko. This is on ESPN? <laughs> this is the same guy that, that did middling chunky soup ads. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I got uh, another one. Here we go. After 15 years, Kiko Alonso is back to milking cows, savoring the smell of fresh guava, and riding a chestnut ho- chestnut horse across the field of his ancestors. Wow, that's a chestnut horse. This feels like a massive prank being put over on people. Is it an onion article? Do they have like a new onion arm at ESPN? It was uh, the whole thing was just like incredible i mean like he's painted as this not only warrior but like deeper down like this horse whisperer who speaks fluent spanish and like <laughs> it just gave me this whole like different perspective of like kiko alonso as as some sort of like you know antonio banderas type uh, <laughs> character it was incredible alonso walked around the yard looking for more green fodder warning a photographer about to follow him watch out do not go behind the legs of the horse unless you want a vasectomy. <laughs> it was uh, it was great, and uh, to top it all off, uh, sort of a back-ended shot at Mark Sanchez. Ooh, uh, I love of it! Of all people, uh, uh, Kiko saying that his Spanish is natural, and Mark Sanchez is school taught. Ooh, so, shots! Oh, little uh, little cannon fire there too, just to start the NFL season. It also feeds into. Connor Orr's, and if you're around him on Instant Messenger, Connor Orr has a unwieldy fascination with Chip Kelly. And, you know, we know that Alonzo and Chip Kelly have uh, ties dating back to their college days. So it fed into that obsession of yours, Connor. I think, yeah, I mean, totally. And I think that there's a reason why, uh, you know, Chip Kelly's not just interested in the player, he's interested in the person. And I could totally see him. Uh, you know, him and Kiko riding horseback and just really coming up with a way to take over the NFL and, and take it by storm. Wow, there you go. So, Kiko Alonso, check out that feature at ESPN and check out Connor Orr's write-up about that feature at NFL.com slash news. Uh, Connor, you've done it again. you proved the doubters wrong. You've enraged uh, the antagonists when it comes to uh, your work on this podcast or maybe converted some into uh, fans. You never know. You never know. Sorry to everybody. I'll uh, I'll see you next time. All right. There he goes. Connor Orr, our New Jersey correspondent, a married man with, yes, a mortgage. Before we go, why don't we uh, uh, hit up the old mailbag? We don't have a drop from the mailbag. We got to get. We got to work on that. You figure we would have learned from uh, last week, last time. Yeah, uh, Tuesday. Does that fall on the producer? I don't know. You, I, you tell I mean, me, Mark. It seems to be. You know, in the zone of what he would be handling. Should we put down the chisels or? Well, I mean, again, let's just. I think let the let let the producer take this away and see what he comes up with next time. One more chance. One more chance. All right, here we go, and I will need the producer's help here uh, for our first question, and this is from your boss. I don't think that's right. I don't think he's actually your boss, really. I think he's you're working in a structure in which he's uh, someone that organizes some of the writing materials and the, not the materials, but some of the topics and kind of the direction of the news. But I don't think David Ely is your boss. I disagree. I see him as my, as a superior. Okay. The luckless and love desk editor, David Ely had this to say, uh, at David underscore Ely was la- was uh, Monday night's bachelorette, a La Raville Magnifico. La Raville Magnifico. For Jordan Rogers or Aaron. And, Mark, I don't know if uh, you were flying, you were traveling back from the east during this, if you're aware of what happened in the latest episode of The Bachelorette. I definitely am not. Okay, so it got it got a little awkward. And uh, if you check out the latest Damashek podcast, uh, we actually had a roundtable discussion with Lindsay Rhodes and um, Mark Iztuk as well uh, with Damashek about this topic. But Jordan Rogers finally was asked point blank, um, 
by JoJo, the Bachelorette. He's now in the in the final four. Uh, what what's the deal with his relationship with his brother? And uh, let's listen to it. My middle brother won't be there. And that's Aaron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? Um, yeah, Aaron. Um, like I said, I have a great relationship with my brother Luke. Um, me and Aaron don't really have that much of a relationship. Ouch. And mm. then, and a follow up question. Um, she asked, "Does he know? Does he know you're doing the show?" And he said, "I'm not sure." She said, "So you guys don't talk at all?" And he said, "No, no relationship at all." And it makes me think: How did we get to this? That that did Jordan Rogers not think that this stage would he would reach a stage, or maybe he wanted to reach a stage because it's made his uh, star even brighter on the show, but is making things even more awkward for the Rogerses. It is awkward. I mean, it's it sounds like Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to talk about it at all either one question how does i don't know what the bachelorette's name is what's her name jojo jojo okay so jojo uh actually thinks that he's gotten this far into this uh national television show and that uh aaron Rodgers has never heard of the fact that his brother's on the show i'm not saying that he's sitting down and watching it it sounds well this was all taped before even the premiere you know what i mean all right. Well, I don't know the bat. Oh, fair. I mean, it's going to be coming week to week with new episodes, but but this is how atomic the situation is. And we know Aaron Rodgers, one of the great quarterbacks of all time, in in uh, our opinion, um, is kind of a touchy guy, as we've seen yes. through the years. Oh, yeah. Can be a sensitive type dude. Uh, you never heard him get asked about it at minicamp, but I can sure as hell tell you, especially if this Jordan Rodgers goes on to win this thing, which I think he's the favorite that. There, you know, when Packers camp opens, E is going to be sending people down. Extra is going to be sending people down to ask the questions that the beat guys are not going to ask because they know that Aaron Rodgers will never forgive them for it. Uh, so he's going to have to face this in Packers camp. It's going to be a, a distraction for him during training camp, at least initially, until the PR people would somehow figure out how to, a way to keep these people out of the mix. Uh, but he was on the Bill Simmons HBO show yesterday, Aaron Rodgers, and right. like a 30-minute sit-down with Bill Simmons, who's famous for his pop culture stuff, and I think his new Ringer site, just like Grant uh, Grantland, has like entire podcast dedicated to The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Nobody, uh, he didn't ask one question about it, which tells you that was slashed red cross through. Wow. Do not ask about Jordan Rodgers. An awkward situation there. To answer the question... The La Raville Magnifico, uh, who's, who is it a bigger La Raville Magnifico? We don't know enough about We it. don't know. I won't say it. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I Maybe JoJo, whoever, you know, I don't have a full scattering report on her, but she sounds suspect That's the difference between you and I. I, with my Spotify playlist, I want to get more women involved. You want to, you're the first guy to say, blame it on the girl. No, I, no, I'm getting her involved by putting her on the, you know, she's equally involved in this fiasco at this point. All right, let's move on to another question. Uh, at J.A. Bergman, Sheriff Bergman, are shadowy league figures launching an investigation into Mark's subliminal Instagram? Um, uh, this, I don't really care about that answer so much, but I, what I do want to know about is did Wessling or did you follow through with your ban of myself and Wessling and Greg on your Instagram account, and did Wes follow through with banning you for 60 days? I actually have gone a different route because I, I, don't, I have not looked into how to ban someone, and I kind of thought it would get a little tender with Wes if I did that. You know, he and I are yeah. friends. Yes, you are. I sent a message through the actual images. And I'm not done with what I've done with what I I don't even know if you've even seen what's. No, happening. I'm not plugged in unless no. it's the first unless it's Super Bowl week. I am not plugged. I in. know you're not. So you yeah. will skate by, you know, unhindered. But I put <laughs> um, I put all three of you on blast. And if, if oh, there's really? more antics and if there are more crosswords and nonsense coming from the three of you, then I will press the ban button. OK, good. That to know. is how this works. Good to know. I feel like I'm in the clear no matter what. Uh, moving on, this from Joel uh, Wailanga at Joel Wheels. More starts this season, Archie 3 or Mark Sanchez? It's a good question because both have uh, competition at the position. Both are veterans uh, with some battle scars at this point and questionable um, talent level, frankly, to be starters in the National Football League. Who do you have in this? Oh, that is, that's a great question. I – I think I would go 
with RG3 based on the fact that they don't have a young guy that they really that they drafted high that I think is going to probably just be pushed into the lineup at some point. I, I think Paxton Lynch has a chance to start more games than anyone the Browns would want to put in, unless it's Josh McCown. I mean, it's we could be talking between six and five games I for think both here. It's a coin flip there because I think if the defending Super Bowl champions get off to a slow start and Sanchez is struggling. Um, I think they will pull the the trigger on either this uh, Simeon, was that his name? Us, Trevor Simeon. Yeah, Trevor. That's Simeon. an option. Or, um, of course, the rookie. Uh, meanwhile, I think the Browns. Are, I think they have a little more of an investment in RG three and seeing if they can make it work. So I, I I feel like he might have the better chance to make six starts and get pulled, and then I could see Sanchez maybe lasting four games just because the stakes are higher for Denver right now. Yeah, I don't think people are looking hey, if Cleveland doesn't start four and one, we're making a quarterback change. They could very easily start one and four and it might not have as much to do with RG three as the rest of the roster. He just has to be okay. He has to be okay. But we'll see if he can. Coin flip then. Be okay. This from Ives Okoro at Ives164. This is directed at Dan only. When will the fantasy extravaganza return? Ouch. Oh, um, come on. Well, not that. that's also not really fair. Now, of course, the fantasy extravaganza, which we uh, have every August, the answer to the question will probably be in the final, I would say, 10 days of August. It will be a week-long affair. We'll, uh, each show will have a, uh, real, a full, meaty segment de- devoted to fantasy talk as we help you uh, win your fantasy leagues. Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal built Roto World brick by brick physically. Um, so I really lean on them hard um, as the master of ceremonies. But that's not to say Mark doesn't have a role. I mean, he was the bad boy on the fantasy corner uh, last year. We threw it to you for some hot takes, if I recall. Yeah, I think I was 100% accurate with my takes. I mean, it is largely, it's two shows I look forward to if it's not three, because I can generally just completely unplug. <laughs> Uh, let's move on at, uh, at the funky Gibbon, Alistar Gibbon. What do you honestly think of Greg? Remember, he won't listen. Greg is a, was an excellent boss and is a friend. Okay. I think that's very fair. I like Greg. I respect him as a professional. I think he's a gifted football writer uh, with an eye for the game. And, um, I find him to be good company. We've talked about this before. He's a mentor, but also a pal. <laughs> uh, from Richard Hunter at Not That Hunter, if you two, meaning you and I, Mark, had to take a two-week vacation together, where would you go? Great question. Two weeks is a long time. That feels too long. Yeah, how about two days? Two days. Big Bear? No, too secluded. I think we, I mean, we're, we're dads, you know, we're married, we've got kids, we've got a lot of responsibilities. You kind of want to be an animal, uh, you know, let out of a cage, and Big Bear is a little too quiet and remote. I'm thinking, I mean, I would just dial up New York City, or right. maybe New Orleans. We had a great time in New Orleans. That's true, for the Super Bowl when we went there. Let's go to New Orleans. I like that. We don't, have, we don't have family close by. No one. There's no responsibilities. You just go and you. Let's see if you come back alive. In fact, we're gonna ha- we're gonna leave our cell phones. There are, that's our wives will be like, oh, did you leave already? We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like on the kitchen counter, our cell phone and any way to reach us, we'll be there. It's a great strategy. Oh, did the Reddit team? The Irishman reached out to our subreddit board. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast subreddit. Make sure you join that if you haven't for some questions. Uh, did they give us anything? Yeah, uh, Boiler Viking gave a good one. What team would give the best storyline for All or Nothing Season 2? Okay, and there will be a Season 2. I can report uh, that exclusively. Uh, you will get a Season 2. Who the team will be, and Mark and I talked a little downstairs about, so they went with the Cardinals last year, and it really worked out because not only were they a compelling team filled with uh, great personalities, they were successful, and that's the danger. With hard knocks, you don't have to worry about the, if the right. team's going to be good or not. As, as long as they're compelling during training camp, that's all you have to get. You could get stuck with a team that stinks, and they get injuries or whatever, and then you're stuck with them for the entire season and it hurts the show. But just on pure um, charisma or what team would be the juiciest, who would you go with? 
Well, it was very NFC heavy last time, obviously, even, even in terms of playing the, the Panthers down the stretch. I, I would go the Steelers because I think it starts with you need to have an excellent head coach to watch. If you don't, if you have a dud head coach, you're in a lot of hot water. You've got that with Tomlin. You've got a team that is going to compete and be there at the end. And it also, if they ever got to the Super Bowl, you know, we've seen Brady and Manning win one. If it's Roethlisberger's year, it could be absolutely a perfect storyline. That's a good one. I like that. Um, I like that you went to the AFC, and I, I would pick an AFC team too, but I don't see one that jumps out. I kind of, I'm intrigued a little bit by the Raiders as a team because they are on the rise. Uh, a, they're a, a, a storied franchise that has a lot of history, and they've been downtrodden for many years. So, kind of being on the ground floor and seeing when that potentially can turn. But again, there's the risk, right? Because if they if they stumble and their car takes a step back or they have injuries, uh, then they become a terrible team to follow. But maybe I'd roll the dice with the Raiders. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers watching his interview yesterday and, again, a storied franchise. And and I, I'm, I find Rodgers so compelling and interesting as a guy that always holds things back a little bit. You're not really sure what's going on with him. Following him for a full season, that would be fun. Uh, so the Packers are one from the NFC that would intrigue me personally. I one third one, and I if they ever went with the Panthers trying to get back to where they were, and you've got all the elements there. There's a lot of personality characters on that team. It's going to be different because you didn't. None of those Cardinals players knew what those cameras were there for. They had no clue. Someone's going to pick that up this time. Yeah, that, I mean it would be different. There was uh, I spoke with someone at the premiere, and he was told that. People kept on asking to go home with him to his house, cameraman, and he had no idea why they were doing it. Uh, they found out later on. Anything else from the subreddit? Yeah, uh, we have one for Mark. Uh, yeah. Will Get Happy asked, why was Mark living in a YMCA? Ooh, good question. Uh, this was, well, because I, at the time, was moving to Boulder from the East Coast and took a bus to Denver. Well, I, I was moving to Denver, and I just didn't know where or with whom. There was a gr- group of friends that I told you guys about, we lived in a, it was sort of a farmhouse slash commune, but that took two months to get together. Right. And so I needed like a place that was very cheap and they didn't even have youth hostels. But the but back then the Denver YMCA in downtown had rooms that you could rent for a week and the place had an absolutely dangerous uh, vibe to it. <laughs> but it cost like, it was like 90 bucks a week. What or year something. is this? This is like 1998. I actually called, I looked on their website and these rooms are no longer part of their plan as a YMCA. They basically said we shut that down 15 years ago, and I'm sure it was for – it was an unsavory uh, you felt environment. Unsafe. I did not – yeah, I wouldn't say that it was the – it was not, you know, the Ramada, which is not even a good hotel anyways, but – Sometimes <laughs> – strange. You go with Four Seasons. I'd, it was an odd environment. Uh, I would say it's fairly remarkable that uh, you're alive with some of the decisions you've made. It was not a great decision. In terms of being uh, putting yourself out there for someone to, to be murdered by a drifter or, uh, or some psychopath who preys on people in vulnerable situations. It seems like you, for a lot of your life, until you met the lovely Simone, uh, between basically meeting Simone and graduating from college, it felt like a nice meaty dozen years or so where it was kind of a roll of the dice each day. There were some things, uh, there were some decisions that were suspect, but, it, you know, it was 1998. It was a gentler time. It was. And it was a it time really where was. you really could live in YMCAs and, you know, ride buses around. It was different. Yeah. Um, all right. Good question. Good mailbag. Uh, and that's it for uh, today's edition of the ATL Debate Club. Uh, it's kind of like that music too, and we'll listen to the music on the playout too. Uh, it never reminded me of it when we first had it playing, but it does kind of remind me of the old Mike and the Mad Dog theme. It's almost like I think that's Dick Banks, uh, <laughs> Sheck's uh, loyal right hand man it is, for yeah. all things music. Uh, but it kind of sounds like the old WFAN uh, that guy's voice. It has a similar vibe, doesn't it? It does. I think you know. I think we learned today too that doing a show with two people is. Not as easy as with four. No, not as easy, but you know what? I think we came through it with the help of Connor Orr, with the help of the Irishman, and uh, we'll be back, as he said, on Monday with the full team for the first time in 
three weeks, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler and the Irishman behind the glass. Play us out, Irish! Hands Zeus and Mr. Fancy Pants The Flames need NFL news and here's their chance It's ATL around the league Light a flame, boys Pigskin's hot tonight Burn, baby, burn Well, I know my name is Irish, and I love to do drawings. Well, I love to draw all day long, so won't you do drawings with me? You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.